Hello and welcome to this episode of the Coaching Podcast from British Canoeing Awarding Body. Welcome everyone to the British Canoeing Awarding Body Coaching Podcast. Uh, my name is Lee Pooley, Director of Coaching and Qualifications and um, today I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by Glyn. Hi Glyn. Hey Lee, how are you doing? Yeah, yeah, good, thank you. Uh, good to see you again. Uh, just for the benefit of anyone that's listening, and um, we did arrange to do this recording almost an hour ago, and we were just chatting and catching up, which was, uh, was which is always great. And we tend to find ourselves deep in conversation about chatting around coaching, paddling, and other things. So uh, um, we're now onto the recording, which I think is really important. So uh, I think just for the listeners, Glenn, could you give us a bit of background to yourself, please? Sure. Uh, so my name is Glenn Brackenbury. I uh, have probably mostly been falling out of boats since since about the age of eight. So uh, I'm a, a, a kayaker, I would just suggest, if I was to, to nail my colours to a particular paddle sport type. Uh, and I started out my paddling journey living on the Isle of Anglesey. So, so surrounded by the sea, surrounded by the white water of, of North Wales. And I spent my years till 19 falling down rivers paddling around the island chasing tidal overfalls anything i could do to find any sort of moving water and what that did was it made me realize how rubbish it was i said <laughs> uh and in doing so i accessed quite a bit of coaching and in accessing that coaching it made me realize that coaching was actually something that i could i could do i could i could become a coach i could actually forge a career out of it and here i am as i approach my Late forties and early fifties, having managed to forge an entire career out of, out of being a, being a paddler, which has been great. So, and the sort of bulk of, of the stuff that I've done is is either expedition work, um, more recently quite a bit of sea kayak work, done some sort of large solo expeditions for myself, led some other expeditions into to different parts, more remote parts of the world, some stuff in Greenland and some stuff out in Canada, and uh, it, it's sort of that enjoyment bit of boating that I. That I sort of strive to to sort of look for all the time when I'm out and about, and I've, I've been very fortunate. I've always found that. So, so yeah, sea stuff. I've done quite a lot of that. Surf stuff is is the thing that I ended up becoming sort of more heavily involved in, primarily because I lived about three minutes from the surf. So, so it's naturally more to your environment. And Thirty years of living by the sea basically meant I, I ended up getting reasonably good at surfing. Became British champion. Became a world finalist a number of times. So, so yeah. So, so competition and and sort of uh, my competition background really comes from my surf paddling. So I coached the national team for a period of time as well. So, so yeah, a real eclectic mix of, of sort of whitewater boating, some, some sea boating and a lot of surf boating all sort of mixed up to create this hybrid paddler that isn't so great at anything, but as a go at most things, apart from, apart from, you know, not being so good on a surf, I just, I'm too tall. I fall off. So. <laughs> no, Glenn, as I, as I always knew that you would um you'd be you know you know very humble in 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 your introduction and um you've been connected with British Canoe and British Canoe Union for a long time haven't you and um you know we were talking yeah. about that earlier so you know what what sort of things did you have you been engaged with you know in your time with with the organization well right the way from uh well I suppose back in the early sort of coaching progression days, so so right at the point where there was sort of a transition from it being instructionally based to it being more 
I suppose athlete centered and coach based being involved in the, the writing of the awards, trying to get involved in the safety structure, became the chair of the technical committee for the surf group. Uh, the, the, even at one stage, let me control the gate at home pier point to make a surf wave so I could actually win a surf session at home pier point, which was fantastic. But it wasn't fantastic with the freestylers that ended up with the muncher dried up down the bottom because I created this perfect green wave at the top of the top of the course. So, so it's it's been a real uh, been involved probably since my sort of early twenties. So it's mm -hmm. been sort of twenty five years of being involved on and off and only in a voluntary basis. But but I've always loved being involved with with the coaching service because you're always talking about coaching. You're always immersing yourself in that world of, and it just makes you better just by talking to people and, and understanding what it is that they're doing and understand what it is that they're trying to achieve. It just makes you a better coach. So, and, and being around the national body, national governing body for that has, has always been well worthwhile. So, so yeah, some of the, some being involved in, in quite a lot of stuff, particularly with the sort of the evolution of the awards. Yeah. And um, before we get onto the topic is obviously this is a bit of a teaser, isn't it? We haven't even talked about what the topic <laughs> is uh, uh, that we're going to, we're going to focus on is, you know, who are the people that have influenced you in in your paddling in your paddling career? I was taught to paddle, um, oh, right the way back by Nigel Dennis when I was eight. So 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 Nigel Dennis obviously being the, uh, a great sea kayaker that he is. So uh, and at, at the time it was it was at the point that the sort of circumnavigation of the UK became a became a thing, and it was the idea that you could you could do that, that you could go and you know run around there, and I. I had a, a, a poster on my wall of, of somebody running Fraser Falls in British Columbia, uh, and I've no idea who the paddler was, but it was one of those sort of iconic posters that I just had. And uh, the idea that you could paddle it, and it was a, a fiberglass boat of some description, so this is way back in the, would have been the early 80s. So, so this sort of picture of this boat going over the edge, and the idea that you could also achieve that, you know, that it was this thing that you could go and do, so I was paddling my fiberglass Comanche round um Padam. You know, it was just this sort of idea that you could you could you could paddle off around the UK, you could paddle off a waterfall, you could paddle around a lake, which is where I was accessing it. But it was just the fact that it had this this sort of multifaceted approach that you could take. That I just that all I saw was everybody I saw paddling. I was like, I want to go and do that. So sitting and watching Richard Fox on Paddles Up on a Sunday, you know, when, when that was a, a TV programme in the 80s, you know, between that and Kickstart, it was either that or I was going to be a motorcyclist. So, so it was just, it was like, what, what is it that I want to be? And it was the idea that you could be all things. And that was the fact that it was a sport for me that encompassed all of that. So, so whilst there isn't a sort of a, a name, I would say that that person really did it for me. It was uh, those people really did it for me it was just the fact that there were so many diverse people doing so many diverse things I just thought yeah this is a sport that I'm, I'll never get bored with I'll have the opportunity to 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 really explore lots of different avenues which is, has been the case yeah no I, yeah, thank you Glenn I know you you probably wasn't expecting that I think you know it really yeah. helps in you know you know for us to actually delve into this particular uh, subject and the subject that we're gonna we're gonna talk, talk and discuss around um, today is uh, is around um, skill faith. Um, but I think what would really help is you know can you give some context behind what what we mean by skill faith, you know, and and possibly give some examples you know, across across the diversity of paddle sports. Yeah, sure. Um, 
yeah, I, mean, I suppose perhaps within my introduction, maybe maybe I should have started with the fact that you know I'm seen as an expert on skill fair. It tells you where my skill currently <laughs> currently is. Maybe that maybe we should have started with that. I'm just like maybe that. I'll, shall I just take that as feedback, Lee? I'll, I'll, I'll have that right there. Um, yeah, so so skill fade exi exists in all of us. So we, we've all got it. We've all got it in in not just in paddle sport. We have it in every aspect of our lives. Uh, and it and it 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 actually became sort of common parlance, really. Although it's again, it's always existed. It became common parlance really post COVID, because skill fade suddenly became something that was publicised in the papers because it became something that had to be talked about because of all the industries that stopped. I mean, all the industry stopped, you know, with the exception of those people producing, you know, coffee pods or medical vials, you know, everybody pretty much stopped over, over that period of time. And in that period of time, there was that time scale that allowed people to not do what it was that they normally did. And in that time, they lost their ability or they lost their adeptness to be able to achieve the, the, the task that it was that they were doing. So aviation was the first to sort of come out quite loudly and talk about the fact that skill fade was this huge issue that was facing them because of the fact that all their pilots have been grounded. Mm. And in that period of time, they need to be able to fly their planes and they would ordinarily be gathering their hours and all that sort of stuff. And they just weren't allowed and they weren't going anywhere. So this, this sort of common parlance, this idea of talking about skill fade, sort of became more, more um, publicly aware, if you like, just post-COVID. For us, we've always been acutely aware of skill fade because every time that we get on a river or every time we get back in a boat something doesn't feel quite right it feels quite right if we're in a boat the day before if we're in a boat the week before or if we were an experienced paddler if we're in a boat a year before but if if we're relatively new to the sport or relatively new in terms of where we are with our learning we tend to find that it it, it doesn't quite feel or it doesn't quite click or it just it's like all the right notes just not necessarily in the right order it's it's that sort of sensation where nothing feels quite right and that is skill fade you know a perfect example of what skill fade is the key thing that has to, for, for skill fade to occur is there has to be a time frame so there has to be this idea that you, you stop doing something for a period of time something you could do and then you're going to go back and do it again and for, for us in boating that's it, it's everything so if we looked at it in terms of um, well, let's think of it, a, a good example that we might want to use. So, we, so let's think of it in terms of motor skill. So, so if we if we say that there are two sides of what of skill play that we could explore, one being motor skill, so the actual fact that we're going to move our arms and legs and and perform a something, and then the second thing would be our decision making and our judgment and our what it is that we're going to go and do. So that those two things both sit slightly differently in terms of in terms of how, how we might move forwards and how we might coach someone to move forward based on what it is they're presenting in front of us so things with our, our motor skill loss it is oh, i don't know but can, can you remember the last time that you rolled lee uh no not really actually and i think you know if you start sort of making me think about it it will probably will worry me the next time i get i capsize <laughs> Okay, but, and the thing is about it is that you'd be fairly confident if you capsized the next time you would be able to roll. But that moment when you're upside down, you'd be like, oh, this has been a while. There's just that brief moment in the in the back of your mind where you just think, uh, and suddenly it might feel a little rusty, it might feel a, but you know that the skill is going to be there. It's going to be replicable because it's so ingrained, it's so well learned, it's it's all those sorts of things. So where the skill starts from determine how great the fade will be. And equally, where this where the skill sort of returns to will determine how long it's been between the the, the time you lasted it and the time that you you sort of you're trying to perform it there and then. Uh, 
So, so the idea of skill fade is just this idea that you, you, you can do something, it all works really well, you have a period of time, and then it, it's not so good, it's not so rusty, perhaps doesn't work as well, it almost looks right, but it's not quite the same, doesn't feel the same, doesn't look the same. And then in terms of sort of judgment and decision making, that works in exactly the same way. It's no different to the motor skills really, but, but, what it, but they're probably more uh, dangerous in many respects, is that one of the things I, I always tell people is that you, you should always paddle for the paddle that you are, you know, always paddle for the paddle that you are, not the paddle that you were. And that, that works both ways, because if, if you're paddling for the paddle that you are, you, you just go in, you've, you've taken 10 minutes before you get on water to go, when did I last go out? What did I last do? How fit am I feeling? You know, all those things, you, you, those self-check things that you do just before you get on the water, you just go, yeah, this is where I feel, this is what I'm going to be able to cope with today. You're then able to paddle for the paddle that you are on that day, paddle that you are in that, that month, that year, that wherever you are. But that also applies for when you're progressing. So it works with skill gain as well as with skill fade, because it's very easy to go, oh yeah, I always do this, I always work around that. But in actual fact, what you don't realise, as you've been practising doing the same thing over and over again, you're getting better. As you're getting better, you should be paddling with the paddle that you are. Oh, maybe I'll try a different line. Maybe I'll try and go a little further. Maybe I'll try and push a little faster. So you get this idea that you just try and move things along a little bit, depending on whether you're skill gaining or skill fading. But that, that mantra of paddle for the paddler that you are, not the paddler that you were, mm. will always make you sort of try and concentrate on where it is that you're at and, and identify the skill fate that's occurred so that you can actually do something about it. Mm. You talk about, you know, the most skills of decision making, which I think is, is really important, that recognition that it's just not, it's just not a technique or a skill, is it? it you know, there are other things that, such as judgment that you talk about is, you know, if mm. you've not been in that environment for a while is you, you could make you know you could make those those different judgments so what what would be the issues of not recognizing or accepting that we have skill fade what's, what's the real issue here if if we don't recognize or or accept it okay yeah so so um well there's a couple of things what one one is <laughs> I, I'll, I'll give you a really really good example so i uh, was very fortunate and i had enough time to uh seek hiking position so lands in john O'Groat. So I went uh, all the way up the southwest coastline through the canal networks of Chester, cross from Anglesey to the Isle of Man, Isle of Man to Scotland, all the way up through uh, the uh, Caledonian Canal uh, until I arrived at Four Troves. So just coming out of the Caledonian Canal, just past Inverness. So at this stage, I've probably maybe 20 days in. So 20 days of solid boating, wake up, boat, eat, boat, sleep wake up, eat, boat, very, very in tune with what was going on, very skilled as I saw myself. Um, and as I was approaching the point of Four Troves, which turns out to be famous for, for a reason I'll tell you in a second, but it's just paddling up to the point of Four Troves, there's just a, a ray of photographers. And I thought, oh my, they've obviously heard I'm coming. <laughs> so there's an array of photographers waiting here to take a shot. So, uh, and there's a bit of tidal flow coming around the corner. So I just thought, oh, you know, it seems they've made the effort. I'll uh, drop an edge, little Colorado hook, crossbow rudder, do an outside edge turn, and I'll, I'll turn around to go behind. Bear in mind, I've been paddling for 20 days. It was probably the first time that I'd done anything technical. And it sounds like a stupid thing to say, but I'd been paddling forwards pretty much for 20 days. And whilst I'd had a bit of a hairy moment, crossing from Ireland to Scotland, 
that I'd been mostly runners and bracing, but it, but it hadn't I hadn't done anything sort of off edge technical anything like that, and I did it and pretty much capsized. So it was just I had no control of the boat at all, and the only reason for that was was skill fade. It was it was that perfect example in a micro set of the fact that I was so confident I was good in the boat, so confident I'd have actually no issue at all with this. But as soon as I did that laden boat hadn't done it in a laden boat probably for 20 years because <laughs> so, of course every time that you might do something like that it's an empty boat you're on a course you're floating around you know you just oh let's try something fun and because i had done that of course it just caught me out so anyway the photographers obviously found this quite humorous because i was ruining the shot of the massive pod of dolphins to my right that i didn't see and it's very famous for the low tide feeding of the dolphins uh off really? so so they were all taking photos of the dolphins and there was this idiot you know, nearly falling in in front of them, just ruining it for them. But for, for me, that was a classic. And it, and it was, it, as I was paddling around the corner, you know, feeling sorry for myself, I was just like, what an idiot. I haven't, I, I knew that that I should be able to do that, but I couldn't do that because of what I'd just been doing leading up to it. So the idea that, that because you're paddling all the time, that you're getting better and therefore you're, you're going to be fine, isn't the case. And that it, I always say to it with, with sort of uh, sea kayakers, and if you think back to, to before that trip, I actually came and did a course with yourself, with yourself and Howard. I came and did a five-star training course as it was then, despite the fact that I already had the qualification, but I came because I wanted to make sure that I didn't have any skill fade. I wanted to make sure that you asked me to do things that I wouldn't ask myself to do. So you'd ask me to do some self-rescues. You'd ask me to go and put myself in a gully that I perhaps wouldn't choose to do. And I went to do that because what I wanted to do is I wanted to make sure that I explored every avenue so that when I found something in an environment, I would be prepared and I'd know that that I'd done the stuff that I hadn't done before. The, the sea is a classic place whereby the you know you learn to roll and then you maybe don't roll for five years. I can't remember the last time I capsized in my seaboat that wasn't deliberate. It's 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 that idea that that the time that you need it is the time that you need it. So so the the, the skill has to be fresh and strong enough. So often I'll tell people when was the last time you practice a X or a Y or a Z or whatever people go oh yeah i'm not sure but but what it will do is it'll it'll spark that memory and make them think about where they are so to answer your question the, the, the danger is a you look at idiot in front of a bunch of photographers also it can be something more sinister it can be oh you know but i always said about i'm always okay doing this i'm always but that's how you were it's not how you are now the puddle you are today is this the, the puddle you were is almost irrelevant so, so what you've got to do is identify the panel you are today. Yeah. So yeah, so, so there are many things that could go wrong with it, but it's that it's that idea of of recognizing where you are and that, that self-check on the beach, on the riverbank, you know, on the on the canal side, that I you know, where am I today? What, what, how am I feeling? When was the last time I did one of those? Well, I haven't done one of those for a while. Mm. Might investigate that. And certainly at the moment, most of my paddling at the moment is are a racing skinny. So so it's all linear. So it's all straight up and down, straight up and down, straight up and down. And what I'm finding is my flexibility through, so I went to go and paddle at the, um, at the Alps a couple of weeks ago. And what I found that was my flexibility, my whitewater-based flexibility was shocking because what I've done is done so much linear work and I haven't compensated for the fact that I've just been doing linear work is that what it's actually done is it, sort of physiology has made my, my sort of motor skill more labored than it was already going to be labored by the fact that I hadn't paddled much whitewater leading up to the Alps. So there are many things that sort of create this sort of component, but I knew that. So, and because I knew that when I was on the edge of the river, I was like, right, I'm gonna start on something nice and mellow. Here I am on the river, on the banks of the Durance, gonna do the sunshine run. 
and I was there because of the fact that it, I knew it was going to be well in my control. I knew there was only one rapid of any sort of significance. I also knew that a swim there wasn't the end of the world because it was going to be hot and sunny. So, so it's that sort of that sort of mentality going. No, the paddler I am today, I can do this. It's that that self check stuff is so important. That for me is is probably the key thing that all paddlers should should really be encouraged to do or do themselves. Yeah. Well, I think that's. I mean, that leads us on nicely. And 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 one of the things you know, I always you know really appreciate with yourself, Glenn, is you you're just open and honest, and you go, yeah, you know, right in front of the whole load of photographers, while us, ca you know, casually mentioning that you paddled from Lands End to John O'Groats, uh, which is a phenomenal feat. Um, is that skill fade actually got you into a bit of trouble? Well, it didn't actually get you into trouble. It's because you didn't recognise it, or you it wasn't an acceptance. You just didn't. It just didn't compute. It, it was the fact I wasn't expecting it. I thought I was strong, but it, and seasonality was classic, isn't it? It's skill fade is pure, pure seasonality because at the end of a, 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 a white water season, you, you just go, oh, I am on fire. You know, I'm, 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 you know, up on the upper Maldach, I'm, you know, the upper Dar, I'm smashing laps in the Ogwin, I'm, I'm all over the place. You know, I'm on fire. Come next October, <laughs> you look like a novice wobbling about in your boat, catching edges on, on the eddy line. And it, it's, it's that idea that period of time just sort of disappears. And it's the, it's the adeptness. It's those little subtleties that you do that create this, the, that, that sort of fine polished skill that you have. Yeah. And uh, those, those subtleties are the things that really set you aside, and that's the, the sort of the skillfulness that, particularly when you're at the upper end of your ability, are the bits that that make you feel confident, make you feel good about yourself, and then the bits that take a little bit of time to 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 get going. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned seasonality because you know one of the things that you know that I I'm really aware of is maybe it's just you know who I am, and I'm not particularly good with the cold anymore, but I only ever surf in the summer in the summer months um yeah and you know that's a very short period you know not always is surf available you know in in the local spots that i would go um because of conditions so actually that time period is very short and and, and the season makes it even shorter doesn't it so um you know i'm sure there's lots of people listening that go i'm quite similar to that you know when i surf it's usually in the summer months um and only if there's surf available. So I don't know if I don't know if you've seen that as well. Yeah, completely. So I mean, I've had people who've uh, known uh, who I am, which makes it sound very pretentious, but that's not the case at all. But they've known the fact that I was a competitive paddler, they've known the fact that I've been, you know, the upper end of the tier, and they've watched me paddle out. But who's this kook? You know, because <laughs> because of the fact that I haven't been in a boat for six or eight months because of other stuff. So so I may have been sea paddling for a long period of time. So so you come back from a long period of time in a sea boat to you in a you know 17, 18 foot boat that's very directional, very different style of surfing, but you then get in a 2.5 meter, you know, sort of seven, eight foot kayak and suddenly you know you expect it to handle and you, you expect your body to be able to to listen to the same signals coming back and they don't they don't come back in the same way and you you, you end up having to go oh no hang on i need to try and think back again i need to go back revert back to where i was try and think about those core components what are the key things the key milestones that allow me to to uh, sort of arrive back at the skill set that I originally had and then go right what are those key learning points so I always go back to my sort of fundamental cornerstones what are the things that I can do so so what are the basics go back to your basics and then from there on in build out 
I had a very similar thing. So I, I, um, I was again very lucky. So I had a, uh, a surf trip out in Hawaii. So I, I went in October. So, so what I did was I basically spent exactly as you just described the summer surfing. So I spent the summer surfing in the UK. Well, anybody that knows the summer surf in the UK knows that it's not winter in Hawaii. So, so essentially, although I'd surfed and I, I, I felt that you know skill, skill levels were pretty strong and I was, I was pretty high. I arrived on a on the, the set of islands that are only reef, there isn't a grain of sand to be found anywhere that you can surf on. It's all all over coral. So therefore it's an advanced environment, if you like, from the outset. Um, and the, the skill set required is different to the skill set that I had from the UK. So so the, the adaption that I had to make, I had to then find different places to try and develop a skill set to, to give me some coping mechanisms to be able to go ride out to make the most of it. But by the time that I finished, of course, I was very much in tune, very much in the right place, all those sorts of things. So, so the idea that skill faith can occur even while you're still practicing, but it's that puddle for the puddle you are today, not the puddle you were. So it's yeah. this like, this is what I see in front of me. This is where I am. Where is my skill set? Yeah, am I ready for this that I'm seeing? Yeah. Um, I think, you know, what we've discussed and tackled tackled so far is, you know, what is skill fade and the issues and recognising and accepting skill fade. But um, what considerations and or practices should coaches, leaders um, adopt for themselves and others in their care? Right, right. So the, the, the first thing, first thing I say to all coaches, but absolutely first is listen. And the, and the, the reason that I say is listen is that people tell you what they need. People always tell you what they need, whether they know they're telling you what they need or not is 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 whether or not you tuned your radio into their station. So because what you've got to do is once you've tuned in, you can hear it. So so for example, with with skill fade, the things that if someone tells me they're feeling a bit rusty, I, I'm pretty confident that when they get on the water, what I'm going to see is motor skill degradation. So, so if when they describe something as rusty, they're describing it stiff as you know, going to be a bit creaky. It's going to it's going to look jerky. It's going to have all those classic sort of motor skill issues with it. So, therefore, what I may choose to do is then ask a couple of questions around that. When was the last time you paddled? Where did you go? What was like that? What was the time before that? So to the, the line of questioning that I might adopt would just give me a little bit more information and go, okay, based on the fact that you've said rusty, what I'm now I'm going to do is I'm going to, ch I'm going to change that line of investigation to better go, oh, right, okay, so these are the things, and what did you paddle there? Okay, so when we get on, what I'd like to do is, and I would always give them something very simple, very achievable, something that's so, they would just like, oh, oh yeah i'll have no problem doing that and that could be as simple as we're just going to ferry glide from this eddy to that eddy this eddy to that eddy it's not we're going to get on and go down it's not it, it would start with something that's so simple that they just like oh, actually oh yeah no it feels okay so so they get the idea that that they can build up to it at their pace so that's so that's the first thing so if somebody says that 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 does that um people talk about getting their eye in so another very common oh, I, just, I just need to get my eye in if somebody's talking about getting their eye in for, for me, that's not motor skill. That's judgment. That's decision making. That's interpreting the environment around them. That's their their ability to be able to cope with all the external stimulus going on and go, oh, right, okay, these are the things that I need to work out. They're not worried about their ability to boat. 
their ability to vote, they're happy is there. What they are worried about is their ability to, to adapt to the environment and be able to take everything in. So for them, again, same line of questioning, oh, where did you paddle last time? What was it you did? So it's, it's that idea of being able to go, okay, so I do think this is going to be judgment-based. It's going to say, right, so what we can do is, first thing we can do is we're going to follow me. So, so what I then do is then take away their ability to go, oh, okay, yeah, I feel a bit more relaxed. I'm on the river now. I go, oh, what are you seeing? Oh, yeah, I'm seeing this, 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 and this. So you, you, you start to get that, that conversation. You start to bring them out to be able to do that. So, so it's identifying the fact that, that they're telling you they've got skill fade without telling you they've got skill fade. And that will often come out with, with the, just the conversations you have. And these are often in the car park. They're throwaway comments. Perhaps when you haven't got your, your coach's radio turned on. But for me, they're always the conversations that, that probably tell me more of than, than the ones on, a, on, the, on the water's edge when, when I'm you know, about to deliver a brief or they're about to tell me what it is they've done. That, that when their guard is down is, is when I find that participants, clients, you know, whatever you want to call our, our sort of students, that's when I find that they're the most receptive is, is, is when they don't think they're coach, being coached. Yeah. <laughs> so the first thing is is you you make sure that you listen to the people that, that are doing that, 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 that are doing the, the skill itself to be able to go, right, what is it that they need? And if you're truly ready, they'll tell them. Yeah. And then the sort of second prong to that is finding how immersed they've, they've been in it. So, um, because whilst somebody may say, oh, you know, I had this knee injury, I've not been in a boat for six months, and I go, oh, how was that? Oh, no problem at all. I literally watch YouTube videos for six months. And what you'll find is, is they'll get in a boat and they may actually be better than they were when they got out. <laughs> because skill because we, when we talked about motor being one thing, and whilst there may, there may be a couple of refinements you might need to make to that, the fact they've been immersed in it um, will actually means that that they've not lost that that ability to talk about it, that ability to think about what it might feel like, that ability to interpret what an environment might look like. So, so being involved in that. I remember, interesting. I was working with Pete Catchall at Plaster Brennan. We'd both been away with national teams. It's when he was coaching the GB freestyle team. I was coaching the national surf team. We'd both just got recently back from the world. So I've been out in Portugal. Where have you been? Maybe Switzerland. I can't remember, but maybe in Switzerland. But both of us said, one of the things about being in those sorts of environments is you, when you get back, you actually find that you've got better. Mm. <laughs> and you've got better as a, not, not as a coach, but as a paddler, because what you've been doing is you've been watching very, very good paddlers doing very, very good things. And what you've been trying to do, you're trying to analyze them and work out what it is that they're doing. So when you get in a boat, you actually find that you've got better. Well, there's, there's no reason I should have got better. I haven't been coaching myself. I haven't been, you know, being coached by others. I haven't been practicing. But what I have been is I've been absorbing, been absorbing all of that stuff. And that the same would apply with, for anybody. You know, if, if somebody comes in and gone, oh, yeah, I've, just been, I've been reading about stuff. I've been watching YouTube videos. I've been doing all those sorts of things. You'd probably find that the, the skill fade isn't so significant. But that can also be a preemptive thing. Somebody's saying, oh, I've got, you know, I've got this period of time at work. I'm not going to be able to get out in a boat. And you go, oh, when you're on the train commuting in, when you're doing this sort of stuff, try and read as much as you can about it. Try and think of these articles. Look at these resources on the British Canadian website. You, you do all these things. So what it does is it gives you this immersion into it to, to try and stop the decay occurring over that period of time. So people do it all the time at rolling. We were talking about it earlier. It's just like people watching videos of other people rolling. <laughs> I mean, it, it's a fascinating thing if, if that's what you want to enjoy watching for your entertainment. But what it does is it brings you this 
that idea that you could immerse yourself in and go buy a buy osmosis, I'm going to absorb it and it's going to, it's going to stop that skill from fading. Look at immersing yeah. ourselves so almost out that of is, season you know, to, to delay the decay, as you say, um, yeah. of that particular fade. Yeah, because it, if we go right away back to where we where we started, the fact that there has to be an interval occur, there has to be a time period of, of occurrence between for skill fade to occur. What, so, so therefore, if you reduce that interval and you can reduce that interval by immersing yourself in that, whether that's now, obviously, if we're talking about a pure motor skill, you have to replicate the motor skill. But if you're talking about judgment, decision making and all those sorts of things, and you're talking about trying to understand timing, balance, you know, all of those, all of those, those bits that you might want to consider is that you can reduce those intervals by being immersive. And that can be conversations with people that can be, you know, any any different any amount of different ways that you can immerse yourself in an activity and quite often people will do that and go oh actually it's i found that i've not lost as much as i thought i would have but when you ask them about that you find that what they've been doing is they've been talking about it the entire time and it's very common i find that very common with novices particularly when you're working over a period of time or oh, we've done nothing but talk about what we did last week yeah. and when i hear that i just go well you guys are going to be exactly where you were when i left you last week so because what they are is excited about their learning because they're excited about their learning they're talking about what it is they've learned and it's allowed them to process it and it's stopping that decay occurring if they walk out the door and forget about it you, you start to get almost started again each week so particularly with those sort of delivering over a period of time and the interval for retention depends on how obviously uh ingrained the skill is if the skill is very very ingrained I mean, the classic reference to this is people talk about riding a bike, isn't isn't it? People say, I want you to learn to ride a bike, you never forget how to ride a bike. But that's that, that's the technique of riding a bike. And that's the basics of keeping it balanced and spinning your legs. The yeah. skill of riding a bike very much leaves you. <laughs> so, so to the ability of descending or climbing or, you know, being able to, to use your weight to, to, to move the bike around thoroughly to, I don't know, I'm, I'm sure you could pop a wheelie in, in your youth. Can you still do them now? You know, it's, it's that sort of, there, there are skills that have left you, but the sort of core skill, the, the one that you spent your most time doing, your most time learning is still there. So sort of the fundamental skill, but all the sort of niceties, the subtle bits, the bits that made you a good bike rider, have probably all started to decay until you're left with just the core bit of keep the bike upright, spin your legs. Well, you talked about um, the, the pandemic, and this was you know something that was really sort of brought to light. You know, and I remember seeing people getting on bikes, some uh, some older you know older generation yeah, people yeah. on bikes, and it it almost although it did look funny at the time. You know, you think crumbs. You you probably did ride a bike. 15 years ago but you haven't but and you could just see that actually it just wasn't there they knew they could they had to do the cycling with their with their legs but actually their control of the steer and their balance their their edge control was way off yeah yeah absolutely and it, 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 it's exactly that isn't it just like it's, it's kind of there and what they are is rusty <laughs> it's just like yeah, they're, they're exactly that isn't it? The, the motor skill is rusty is it and it'll take that time to be able to bring that back yeah, I mean, certainly with COVID, as we were sort of coming out of COVID in terms of skill fame, is that we had, you know, we talked about the pilots before. At the time, I was managing a, a large activity centre. So, so when we were bringing everybody back into work, we had exactly the same thing of going, we've had 12 months out of work of hiking and climbing and all of those those great activities. We can't assume that we know exactly what it is that we, we're going into when we go back into it again. So, so that idea of, 
reintroducing everybody into not just the, the sort of technicalities of belaying and you know, you know managing groups on the water but but also the the idea of being back in a workplace environment and, and what COVID did was it allowed an opportunity, a, a real window into skills, like a, a real opportunity to look at it and go, oh my word, this has actually made a massive difference to a lot of people. Yeah. But also a lot of people got a lot better because what it did was it allowed people to, to use their time in a different way. So, so many people had a lot of skill gain. You know, if you had 12 months of furlough and you lived on a beach, you got pretty good at surfing. So, <laughs> so, so yeah, it's just that, that idea of, of period of delay between doing something is going to affect what it is that you do and there are there are things now I couldn't you know things I learned at school that you, you know were, were, were ingrained in my GTSEs that I, I could have done absolutely no problem at all like Pythagoras working out the circumference of a circle I would be able to I would be able to work it out exactly by rote whereas whereas now I'd be like no I don't, I don't know how that I don't know because I've never had to do it since I left and it's that idea of if, if something's just gone, let, let it decay completely, it will eventually disappear. So, so it's that point that you choose to pick it back up. Yeah. There was a, a statistic that I was, and like all statistics, they should be backed up by great data. And I'm afraid of, and it's going to be anecdotal because someone told me it once on a course, but, uh, but it was, a, it was a drowning statistic. And it was, it was actually, they were saying that there was becoming a shift in the drowning stats. Uh, and it was to do with people of my sort of age you, you know sort of in their 40s and 50s re-accessing stuff they were doing in their teenage years sort of yeah, teenage years early 20s and it was i could windsurf and sail and surf and kayak and do whatever it was then and i what i'm now doing is i'm not going to re redo it and swimming is a good example of that isn't it i had swimming lessons when i was 19. i'm i'm, I'm not going to go swimming at 48 having not swum in between those those two periods and whilst there are lots of contributory factors that, that would that would apply to something like that, but that statistic actually didn't surprise me. It was just like you can see that because that is pure skill fade. It was just like in my mind, I can do it. The reality is I can't. So and that's the if they'd have stopped and looked for the person they are rather than the person they were, they they wouldn't have got into that sort of difficulty or trouble or those sorts of things. So yeah. that self-assessment bit is quite important. Yeah, and I think you know. Although quite a lot of your uh, examples were related to someone being coached or someone being led, the same principles apply to to us as coaches and leaders. That you know oh we can't just expect sort of at the end of the season running advanced white water courses to be able to just wait a whole season before we jump back on the river, back on grade four four rivers. No, and it, it was. Just, uh... Yeah, as we were talk talking about earlier, so, so the, my recent trip out to the Alps for a, a conspiracy of reasons, I, I ended up on my own. It, it's not that I haven't got any friends. It was just that I, the, the conspiracy things I ended up on my own. Uh, and, and therefore, what you end up doing is you end up solo paddling. And, so, and in solo paddling, I was, I was sort of there go. And in the back of my mind, I was there, you, you're very acutely aware that, that you're on your own. If anything goes wrong, there is nobody got eyes on you. You've got all those difficulties. But also, when you're a coach leading, Arguably, you're on your own anyway, yeah. Because you, you clearly shouldn't be reliant on your you, those in your in your charge to to look after you, rescue you, you know, keep an eye on you, all those sorts of things. So, so, so it hadn't really. It was identical to me running it with a group, but but the mindset was different, and it's that identification of that and that ability to be able to rationalise that and go, oh, actually, no, this I should be capable of doing this, and I should be able to do that. 
But because of that, is what you do is you don't paddle at the grade that you should paddle at. So rather than me paddling at four, five, I was paddling at two, three, because what I did was exactly those things go, the paddler I am today here on my own is I'm going to go and do this. So, and it's, it's making that, that decision based on what it is that you see in front of you. And that, that's good self-preservation is the best way to describe it. Yeah. Uh, Glenn, we spoke at the beginning and you said, oh, I think connect 34 minutes. I don't know if I've got that much to say. And, you know, <laughs> I was absolutely aware that, you know, this would be a fantastic podcast for you to to help everyone understand about skill fade and give some really sort of you know great context to how skill fade can can affect you and and, and recognizing it and some of the bits and pieces that you could put in place to get back get back on the horse to be able to progress to where you left it originally which i think is fantastic and really appreciate your time glenn before we before we sort of say goodbye and, and thanks um got one more question for you um what's next for you then in, in the world of paddle sport you know any adventures planned or or anything up your sleeve well um ordinarily i'd be like i've run a whole list of things that i'd sort of be very keen to go off and do what i've always loved back to my original motivating reasons for sort of having any people that I might look up to is is that idea of having diversity and I think probably the thing that I'm enjoying at the moment is that I'm enjoying trying to work on something very technical which is actually for somebody who's had for 30 years my forward stroke so so what I'm doing is I'm working on a ski so I'm working on flat water I'm working on pure flat water with wings to try and develop something that's a little bit different and again because I'm morphing to my environment now no longer than three minutes from a beach but I do live next to flat water environment so so what I've done is is be able to change that and adapt that what I'll find that'll do is that'll may lead me to something else so so that'll lead me to an ability to go off and travel somewhere going to try something different go and try crossing go and maybe do some larger sea kite trips again so to, to go and do something along those lines so I've, I've always been a been a real sort of fan of balancing the the my boating between boredom and panic so <laughs> so if, if it's sort of if it's sort of boredom then then you know, my skill level's too high the challenge isn't high enough you know i've got to do that if, if it's panic then then the skill level's too low and i, I put myself in an environment and there, there are times in a flat water you know k boat that, that i can i can genuinely say i put myself in panic because of the fact that it's a you know a big guy and it, it's a it's a wobbly wobbly creature for me so so and that idea of, of being able to stretch myself is is probably where i'm taking it next so so yes, at the moment, at the moment, that's that's the the current plan. So it's to try and work on that, and then what I'll then do is that will then hopefully take me out some other places. So I'm very lucky. I get I can find myself in all sorts of different corners of the world. And you, there are very few places in the world where you can't get hold of a boat. And I've I've paddled around some amazing places on some awful boats. So because <laughs> uh, the, the higher market isn't always what you choose. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, Glenn, um, thank you very much again. Uh, really appreciate your time and. Um, yeah, yeah, and um, good luck with your forward paddling. Although I would, I presume that your <laughs> forward paddling is reasonably okay after paddling from Landsend to John Oak Boats and uh, some it's, 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 never, it's never perfect, is it? <laughs> All right, thanks very much. Thanks for listening. We hope you'll join us for the next episode. Remember to review, rate and subscribe. Bye for now.